This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. McDowell's Specialty Repair. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle Cook Mortgage, LLC. Disciples Coffee, a Christian coffee shop and roastery in Garden City. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's Pizza, Diamond Heating and Cooling. Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Zero Res Carpet Cleaning and Dodd Roofing. And now, here's your host, Skip Hall. This is Skip Hall saying welcome to Game Plan for Life. We've got uh, some repeat visitors uh, today in studio, and I want to introduce them. Uh, John Strain, of course, has been with us many times, and uh, you can go back and and uh, get the podcast on previous shows that'll explain maybe a lot of what we're talking about today, or go go back and get the beginning to the stories. But he's also got his two sons with him, Bryant and Jason. And so all three of you, welcome to Game Plan for Life. It's good for us to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we're going to continue on from where we left off last time. And, John, why don't you kind of set the stage for us? You bet. Well, we were doing the Christmas story of uh, the angel appearing to Zacharias and then later Mary to announce pregnancies, uh, that you've got significant children coming to Zacharias, uh, who, who was advanced in years and childless. The angel Gabriel said, you're going to have a son named John. And so preconception, John is named, he's prophes- He's He's going to be a prophet, he's an advanced man for the Messiah. He's a big deal. And Jesus would later call him, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Right. And so this was a probably a big surprise that because the pain in Zacharias and Elizabeth was no doubt profound. Being childless, it was humiliating because uh, they were faithful servants. They were blameless. Luke says, righteous. They fulfilled priestly function, and uh, in particularly Zacharias. And um, and so in the Holy of Holies, he had this unique opportunity, and God comes to him, or the angel comes, who says, I come from the presence of God, and that you're going to have a son. He responds with a little bit of agnosticism. Right. You know, remember, he's not... Kind of like, well, how will I know this for certain? And he, and he gets a little bit put in time out, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's another story of the the same angel appears to Mary and announces, "You're going to have a son, and he's going to be a savior and the eternal king." To summarize, and she's of course surprised too. But here you have on the other end of the age spectrum, she's a young teenager, right? Who's betrothed. Legally married, but not fully consummated in marriage, mm-hmm. and not especially not having children, part of that, you know, arrangement yet. And so this is scandalous almost. And so you have two high risk pregnancies, we would say, uh, an old age one or a not ready for it one. And yet God was in both of those. And both of these children that are coming, skip preconception, are named. 
They are cho- they're chosen. Right. They are anointed. They are coming with purpose, God-given purpose. There, there's prophetic statements about may, both of them, especially Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they happen to be cousins. Uh, John was the little bit older cousin of Jesus. And so, so this is an amazing story. Mary responds differently than John. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, Zacharias, Zacharias about John's coming. And she's, she basically says, you know, I'm the Lord's bondservant. Bring it. Yeah. And you go, why would the young woman respond who has so much more to lose by this announcement? Why would she respond better than Zacharias? And we, so it causes us to step back and ask, how are we hearing God? And uh, our heart's full of, uh, you know, doubt, and, and the human heart just is. But then we started talking about children and child raising. And, uh, and there are some themes of identity here. Uh, both of these individuals, by the way, are announced, are highly esteemed by God before they were even born. They're named and known that God was the architect. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating, but even in that, we, we spoke of last time, even if you have the best parenting on planet Earth, there's something still in us that we question uh, our worth. And Bryant had ended on a story last week of kind of you know talking a little bit about that, like, you know, there's a little piece of me that doubted what God would say, even though I had affirmation. So, but here, here we are in this developmental process and the story of identity. And then the question of, well, how do I, how do we make a good deposit in our kids? Something with a little bit of staying power. I, I find that response, Zacharias getting muted and married not interesting because both of them had a question, Mm -hmm. you know, for God, but Zacharias is a pro Maybe he should have known <laughs> better. <laughs> and so I think it might be that God, you know, is appropriate to us where we are yeah. in our, wherever our stage of development. So one of our chapters in the book, uh, you got to listen. I shared about Bryant and just his response to, you know, we were doing, some, he's remodeling a home. Uh, they had just purchased his pastor by trade and then he works at night, you know, on this house. But I was watching how appropriate he was to where the boys were at. Titus 6, Titus got involved, giving him little jobs appropriate. Zeke, not quite ready to be out with the power tools and nails sticking up out of floors. Even Titus, uh, you know, we had to point out things. And then uh, the youngest, Jack, four months now, but Jack can't do anything. He poops and eats. But I, I, I was sitting there watching uh, Bryant coach his oldest son up, though, you know, and so we, one of them is out helping us a little bit, carrying boards. The other one is, uh, we keep him out of there. He's playing with toys because that's appropriate for sure. the four-year-old. And Jack eats and poops. <laughs> so if I can say that. But, <laughs> but Bryant, I, was, I, I have noticed, uh, too, that how they – they have been teaching their kids to listen to them. Uh, and sometimes about like even at dinner tables, they'll sit with them for quite a while. You know, when they give a command, you know, to finish dinner, they will sit a long time. And I go, and I know you and Christina share this culture 
what are you guys trying to do? Because sometimes for some of us watching, it's like it's almost uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, but they're training their kids to do something. And I, Brian, I wonder if you could share your mind on that a little bit as a father, what you guys, why you do that. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of parenting, we, we can be approach it as something we're trying to gain or something we're trying to give. And in our worst moments, we're trying to gain something out of it, <laughs> out of our kids and their obedience. But in our better moments, we're trying to give something and we, we see uh, the the bigger picture there. And and so I think for my wife and I, we've we've just picked a couple areas where we said, we're, we're going to go to battle in these tasks <laughs> and, and it's not going to be everything all the time, but one of them has been eating, eating dinner at, at the table. And so that's, that's going to be a no negotiation obedience. But, but in that it, it's been interesting as we've, we've worked with our kids through that is that um, we've, we've learned that if our end goal is perfect obedience, we're actually kind of, we're missing something there. And really the, the end goal that we've seen as we've worked with our kids has been a softening of the heart, a submission, a, a willingness to listen and to, to trust us. And so, so in that, um, if, our, if one of our kids is refusing to eat something on the table, we'll work, until we see, we'll work with them until we see a softening. <laughs> That's the end goal. We're not, however long it takes. However right? long it takes. And we've and, watched that go on for an hour yeah, or more. Yeah, and uh, my mother used to lock me in the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think as we, if, if we think about food as the end goal, then some ways that, that could be about me and that, you know, my convenience. But if the end goal is seeing that our, our kid is going to listen and soften to the command, I think there's a greater principle there because I, I, and in some ways, I mean, it's, it's probably resembling of our own relationship with the Lord and that the Lord and his law and his goodness is going to hold on certain things until we submit, until we surrender. And when, as we do that, then there, there's a peace, there's a reunion. And so I think the difficulty in that is we think about even ourselves as adults and then our kids is that we don't want to submit. <laughs> there's there's something in our heart there's something like the word we've been using there's something agnostic that doesn't want to believe or acknowledge that there's a god because we want to live the way we want to live and and so i think for the young young years it's to help our kids to see that there is something bigger and greater than us but then also as we rest and submit to the lord there's actually a goodness in that that comes and there's a common grace as our kids learn to eat food at other people's tables and <laughs> in there, but there's a greater principle beyond that too, um, right. which has been important. Well, really, um, let's talk for just a moment here about the three voices. We've got God's voice, mm. we've got the evil one's voice, mm. and then we've got our voice and how that all plays out. And John, you want to hit on that a bit? Yeah, I th- you know, I think it kind of tying this in with the kids were – we're really I, every parent. No, no parent tries to ruin their kid, you know. And uh, it's like Brian said, you're not going to ruin a kid with food. That's not the goal. Controlling food, food intake that creates an anorexic kid or a bulimic kid, you know. But what you're trying to do is tie them into something bigger. And we want them to, uh, in this case, resp- learn to respond in obedience to a voice. And so 
Um, so that's why these little skirmishes are so important. Yep. And you choose your hills. Not everything is a hill. And so I think there's wisdom in that. So the voices, uh, you know, we love our kids. And so uh, Pam and John, with, with these two sons and two others, Sean and Johnny, they, you know, we wanted to make a lot of affirmation and affirm them. And every gift that they had, every ability they had, we, we used lots of words and we every crisp or uh, birthday, you know, we'd fill a card up. Valentine's Day, we verbalized things to them uh, and trying to, you know, build into them. So if if you look at a parent's heart, and I think this is especially true of God, he is not a screamer. He he speaks words of affirmation, uh, but the thief, mm-hmm. there's an evil one. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. He is about cancellation. He's about condemnation. He's about blaming and accusation. And his goal is to knock us down. So that's how you know his voice. And then there's our voice. Mm -hmm. And I think our voice is like Zacharias. We're full of doubt. We'll sit and stop and question. I love you. I don't know if you do or not. You know, kind of, and and we said, really? Do you really love me? And and, uh, and even, even if you're in the best environment or the worst environment you know this this little agnostic doubt thing skeptic thing kind of sits there and it and it's an evidence of the fact that we don't seek for god but he seeks for us mm-hmm. so i find this kind of fascinating but and then so then you step back and go well what how does a parent how do we help our kids learn to hear God's voice. And in this identity freefall culture we're in, how do we help them to learn a true identity? And so that's really key. And I and I know Jason is struggling. He's got two, and they're two different temperaments, you know, two different kids in that house, even though out of the same parents. And uh, same with Brian. He's got three, and they're different, but... Jason, I've I loved how you kind of your perspective about that. How you and Jenna are moving in towards your kids to be good students, as we talked about last time. Who are they? And then, but is your discipline the same for Judah as it is for Otto? Still learning that. Uh, <laughs> still, still learning that. Still, still working, working on that. that. Uh, but we love those little guys. I mean, they are the the greatest little kids, and it's just they're such fun gifts to unwrap and. Uh, see who they are and who they're becoming. And I think where we try to balance is, and I think what stood out to Brian or with what Brian said is he has a game plan. I think they've been proactive around certain areas. Like we're not going to call them the battles, but these are the areas that we're going to focus on and be proactive and, and intentional at this age. And then that'll continue to evolve. And our dad modeled a lot of that to us is in terms of rites of passage, you know, into manhood and into uh, the adolescent years, then even after being married. And I think there's game plans around these moments of kind of transition and affirmation. But for me right now, those things are later and I'm like, okay, I've got time. And so right now it's just that, that learning and, and understanding each of them and their dispositions and who they are and, and, uh, figuring out where we want to be proactive and picking those moments and picking the things that we want to discipline and how we want to do it. And I think what stood out in this book as I was reading is the way that God communicates and he communicates through love and he communicates through, through compassion and affirmations and it's never condemnation. And I think that's, that's a lesson that we've learned is like, Hey, 
when our kids, if we want our kids, if we want the Lord to speak through us to our children, it has to be in those same ways and anything else is from honestly from, from the devil. And so how do we, how do we listen in those moments and how do we, how, how can we be attuned to the Lord and the spirit and, and in a way to, to teach those things and to make sure that that's what we're passing along. And I shared last week about some, some things with my dad and a moment we had, we were at odds and, uh, and a similar stories I think of with my mom, like yeah, there was a moment we were trying to get into the car and, um, <laughs> I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember what we were doing, but now as a parent, I know how annoyingly frustrating it is to try to get your kids into the car. Uh, <laughs> so I understand where she's coming from now, but, but either way, she, I remember she, she yelled at us or did something. And I remember she just stopped for a moment walked around the house. <laughs> We're sitting in the car in shock. Like she's like, I'm going to go for a walk. We're like, Whoa, you know? <laughs> she comes back in and she goes, I love you guys. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And for me as a parent or as a kid, that's one of those moments that's just kind of stuck with me over the years. And I, and I go, and now thinking back, I'm like, that was, that was the Holy spirit. That was the Lord. Yeah. This, this posture of humility, mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness and offering love yeah. in a moment. I go as a, as a father. Now I'm like, that's all I need. You know, I don't need, I don't need tricks or, or gimmicks or anything to get my kids to behave. I just need to lean into them with, with love and humility and realizing that I am a sinner too. And I think when, when you do that right, the rest takes care of itself. You can't out God. You know, I remember writing a letter for one of you two guys. Which yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you maybe both of them. Skip. Maybe both. Yeah. They got a lot of letters from the likes of you. And so it was from men that had lived longer and, been on the, the path longer and just some thoughts and some some uh, encouragement that I think that it's really good for young younger guys to hear it from older guys too and they've been there they've lived longer they've been around the block <laughs> taking many walks but uh, I think that's that is so good so good well John we still uh, we still got about uh, nine minutes or so left here why don't we move on? Yeah, I you know this this whole thing of you got to listen. We're teaching, we're training ourselves to hear God's voice, encouraging each other. How how do we overcome this agnosticism? And then, but now we move towards our kids. They're getting so many messages, and these guys we're still in the little toot stage with you know up to age six for Bryant and you know. But I think these years are really important about how parents are so formational, that their identity is primarily being defined by the parents through this age period. We actually homeschooled for that very reason up through about fifth grade, so because we wanted to make the primary deposit, right? And and then we put them in to you know they do need to go swim with the sharks yep. uh, at some point. And they did. Uh, they held their own, but it, but you still get knocked around, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, and they can swing around, and and their legs are wonky, and but you know, they as adults they start getting into this, and then they start hearing God for themselves. And uh, but I but I believe children can hear the voice of God too. I think there are some things that we can do as parents, and I I would love to hear from Bryant Jason on that skip up just what are some of those tactics that you guys do you know kind of day to day and we've heard a little bit on the discipline right, front right. you know but what are some other things the proactive things you guys do and maybe maybe some of those were done to with you by John and Pam but uh but what else 
Do, are you and your wives really proactive about to help cultivate the hearing heart? So, Can Brian, you? let's start with you. Yeah. So, Scripture over and over says God tells His people, "I am with you," and I mm-hmm. think there's a there's a parental principle there too that with our kids we need to communicate that um, with our words, yes, but even more so our actions. And so, um, we gave the example earlier just about. When in a house remodel, there there's an inconvenience to having a six year old help you with a task. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. Yeah, but there but there's also something. There's also a joy and a growth point where you see a hungry kid wanting to be involved and to participate, yeah. and he can minimally do some tasks, which was which was one thing, and 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 then it, out of that, his his confidence grows. But the point being that my son or sons are there with me. I think that's a, one other area we've thought about this too is sports and and so in in sports I love sports and I'm very happy that so far my older two love sports <laughs> and but the, you know in that we can you know in, in today's world we can make sport the idol to serve especially as a parent out of our own wounds we can try to <laughs> project something on onto our kids or we can you know, they can look and try to find their fulfillment in it. But sports is one of those things that you can be with them and you can be for them. And, and as long as we keep, I think, that bigger objective in mind, the, the with, it, it, that's been an, a way for us to do, just to do stuff and together. And recently my, my son has gotten really into football and the NFL and he loves records and stats mm. and, and, um, uh, we're Buffalo Bills fans, which is another story and a long question, <laughs> you know, another question. But he, as we are in doing that together, it, it might be look like we're just wasting our time, but there's actually something in there in the relationship building, you know, that we, we are, we're, we are with each other and building relationship and sharing one another's joys and one another's heart. And I, I think there's similar, something similar with the, with God, right? As we know God and we spend time with him and know his heart for something that rubs off on us. And I see that happening with our, with our kids. Now, the problem would be, you know, if if our life is only lived in terms of sports and recreation or school, and those, those are the most important things then we've missed. So then the question is how with our kids, do we actually model and show, you know, this is, this is how I hear God's voice. This is what he's calling us to do. And we have the bigger narrative around the smaller aspects of our life. And I, I think that's, that's the challenge as, as a parent is yeah. to, how, how do we keep that bigger narrative in place? That's good. That's good. Well, how about you, Jason? Yeah. To add to that, I think to hear, you have to ask at times. And I think the, God is speaking all the time to us and to children, but the ability to, to hear that is, is a whole different thing. And so often the, the easiest way to hear something is to ask for it. Cause then you're ready for it. And I think for us, one thing we've been, or I've you know been very proactive with our kids is cultivating a, a curiosity and an inquiring mind. And I think with the intent that they learn how to think for themselves and they learn how to think a couple layers deeper about things, um, you know, while simultaneously providing it with truths and, and presenting what we believe is truth to them through things like catechisms. But, but ultimately I want them to ask those questions for themselves. And I want them to have that moment where it's not just me pushing something, but it's them 
thinking through these questions about life and faith and God and, and, and asking him to speak directly. So there's lots of little daily moments that you can do that. Um, an example, a few weeks ago, uh, Judah got a little cut and he was bleeding. So we we're talking, okay, you know, why do you, why does your body do that? And what's happening? Uh, you know, how will it heal itself? And it led to this conversation around, you know, we're asking those questions and we're looking up the answers and all this stuff. And it's like, well, that's how God made our bodies. He made our bodies to heal themselves. And so he kind of went through this process of kind of uncovering that. So now every time it has a cut and goes and God will, and God made my body so it can heal myself. And, <laughs> and then even through that, you can start to teach deeper lessons about, you know, the broken nature. Like you see a dead bird. Why is that bird dead? What does that mean? Normalize, you know, death death is okay it happens to us all and it's not something to be afraid of and you know there's just these little things along the way of asking these questions and teaching them to ask questions so that ultimately they they will go to the lord with those questions and have an attitude of not just curiosity but but listening uh to know the response and so i think for us it's yeah it's a blend of like providing those truths about the lord and his goodness but then also teaching them to hopefully discover those truths on their own and just be aware of what's happening in a way that yeah. they're listening. Good stuff. Good stuff. How, how can you replace the power of presence really? and that the powerful preposition is with, and I kind of hear that in both of yeah. both of their descriptions. We can learn a lot from our kids if we listen. I'll never forget. We took our, our two kids to the, in Seattle when I was coaching at Washington to the Nutcracker. These people are all dressed up in bow ties and suits and tuxes, and everybody's very prim and proper, and the show starts. And My son Chris, who was about six at the time, he had about one minute into it, and he turns to me. He doesn't just say this. He yells it out. <laughs> Dad, this is dumb. <laughs> so all these, all these people that love ballet and all that stuff, they look at, whose kid is that? <laughs> But he was right. <laughs> no, we can learn a lot from kids if, if we listen. And that's, that's the challenge, is listening and then ask questions. That's the first book, of course, that, that John put together is that you got to ask. And now it's you got to listen. And the next one should be you got to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're about to the end of the show again today. But again, I want to thank you guys, uh, all three of you, for coming in today, the strains, John and Bryant and Jason coming in and sharing your heart uh, with, with our listeners. And it's been an enjoyable couple of shows, and I just really appreciate it. So until next time, next Saturday, we'll have uh, another show for you. But until then, we just uh, ask you to, to go with God. Listen, learn, and be in His presence. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory.